Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. And it's it's going to warm up out also outside as the uh, hours go by. So um, uh, today I think is the heart of the of the retreat. Huh? Uh, it's a very special day because we've been practicing already for two days. Uh, it's a lot of hours of um, dedication and. Uh, you know, s starting again, starting again, and uh, uh, so there's there's something that is building up. Sometimes we uh, might not uh, become aware that uh, there's actually a momentum that is happening. It might not feel so, uh, but uh, all this uh, application of um, of care uh, adds up. So. Uh, all these moments are not isolated moments in in, uh, in Buddhist psychology. There, nor are they in neuroscience. I think, <laughs> from what I hear, you know, we talk about neuroplasticity. So we're actually creating uh, new grooves in the brain, if we want to talk in these terms, you know, in the heart. And um, you know, it uh, might not feel easy, or it might. Uh, but uh, one uh, one teacher, one of my teachers, I, uh, I heard say once, uh, you know, describing what we were, we were doing, saying it's as if we were, uh, you know, uh, uh, creating, making a, ri a new riverbed, you know, changing a, the, the riverbed of a river. So, you know, it's hard work if you want to dig a new riverbed. But um, they were saying... Uh, you know, it's like uh, what we do is like uh, making a new riverbed <coughs> without using the hands. You know, just uh, the mind, heart, and so. Anyway, that's one uh, one view that what we do is not um, is not uh, easy. But uh, there's a, there's an art to the right effort that we bring to practice. And um, uh, on every retreat, I bring it with me because, uh, or it pops up because it's such, uh, I feel it's a very powerful, clear instruction when uh, uh, we can read in one of the you know, recorded uh, teachings of the Buddha. So 2,600 years ago, imagine this um, wise man was uh, having conversations, uh, a few conversations a day, you know, for 40 uh, years at least. Um, and I, I always forget if it's 40 or 45, but anyway, a, f a number of decades of, um, of teaching. And the way it would uh, happen would be, in a way, very natural. You know, by the well, by the river, at the entrance of the town, one night by the fire, one morning... Uh, at somebody's uh, place, you know, so the locations were changing all the time because he was a wandering monk, and uh, and uh, the conversations were documented because there was people around, and um, 
And uh, when the Buddha died, they gathered. Uh, and they said, what did he say? Uh, and one of the person who was uh, there, you could think easily half of the time, was uh, his cousin, good friend, an attendant, Ananda. And Ananda had, was really tuning in when uh, his friend and mentor, the Buddha, was uh, speaking. So he remembered a lot. So when they gathered after the death of the Buddha, a lot of what we know now is because of Ananda was saying, oh, and you, you can read, it's very vibrant when you read it. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I remember. That's how often it starts, I'll put it in my words, you know, but, oh yeah, I remember. It was by a river close to this city one evening, and this one was there, or this one arrived, and they asked this question, you know, and this is what the Buddha answered. Because there's several decades of these things, you know, the teaching came back, you know, here and there. So somebody else says, oh, I heard him say that also uh, in another area, in another year, you know. And this is how he said it. And so that's why we have now, uh, we, we know that this stuff uh, really happened. Because there's so much documentation around it. And so, one of the teachings that we can take as an instruction is the Buddha saying, how did I cross the flood? As if maybe somebody had asked this, you know, some, something. He uses a lot of images. This is a good teacher, you know. He knows that images are strong. So he says, how did I cross the flood? You're wondering how I, cl- I crossed the flood. You know, the flood, what flood? The flood of... Uh, afflictive emotions, the flood of doubt, the flood, the, f- the flood, <laughs> flood, 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 <laughs> the flood of, uh, you know, agitation, the flood of uh, desires gripping the throat, you know, will it happen? I need this, absolutely, will I get it or not, you know, uh, the flood, yeah, of confusion. How did I cross the flood? Not forcing not abandoning. Because when I forced, I would get exhausted and be carried away by the flood. And uh, if I abandoned, then I would drown and be carried away also. So I crossed the flood without forcing, without abandoning. So to me, these are very, very clear instructions about the wise effort that we bring to practice. You know, if we kind of barge in after uh, hours of, uh, you know, being infatuated with our thoughts, we're like, okay, now let's finish, I'm, now I'm going to spread love, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might work just some, <laughs> you know. So what we do here, and it's not easy, this uh, not forcing, not abandoning, is we try to very <coughs> humbly, we could say, show up show up, start again, start again, very gently, but very clearly also. So we're, we're clarifying the intention here. And so it's not easy because the mind says, ah, oh, no, leave me alone, I just want to plan next week. You know. <laughs> Although I've done it already a number of times, you know, I, know, I know all the lunches, all the kids, <laughs> whatever, you know. But, you know, and so here, we're learning how to um, practice renunciation. Say, hey, love, later, later, we'll come back to 
you know, this obsession, compulsion. But now, let's just be here, you know. Uh, and I know a, a few of you already in the meetings have said that this is an exhausting uh, practice. I think I have a little bit of a different take on it, um, if you allow <coughs> My sense at this point is not that the practice itself is um, is exhausting. It's actually so simple. You know, it's not like we're actually not digging trench trenches. You know, like it's not we're actually just invited to. We even have a choice to just attend to silence or breath. There's no almost no effort required. What is exhausting, though, is the taking over of you know the untrained mind. A few weeks ago, I was visiting friends who have uh, two dogs, untrained. <laughs> <coughs> one is a puppy, and and the other one not. But um, and it's a mess. You know, like it's, you don't know what's coming next, you know, like it's hard to have a conversation because they run all over the place, jump, or bark, you know, they are untrained. I don't think it's good for them either. I, I don't know, I'm not the dog. I'm not, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, but I know that f for people who are around, it was stressful. You know, the owner has to apologize or kind of deny what's happening. <laughs> you know? Or, you know, and, and so there's a lot, and, and there's a way where we can uh, probably train a dog that will be maybe helpful for the dog uh, and for everyone around. And the mind is a little bit like this, untrained, it goes in all kinds of directions. Another image from the Buddha is the uh, image uh, that he uses. Actually, when I read the sutras, <coughs> Of course, I'm deeply touched by a lot of teaching, a lot of things I don't understand. It's very complex. Maybe the trans things are lost in translations. Some things are covered by 2,500 years of patriarchy. <laughs> you have to dig in. <laughs> you know, why isn't there? There's like almost no women there. Why? Why? It's intriguing. <laughs> what led to this? You know. Voice made invisible, erased. You know why? But uh, also, one of the things that happen when I <coughs> read the, the, the text is I laugh a lot. I, my sense is that the Buddha has an amazing sense of humor, and he uses images that are that are striking, but also uh, funny in in many instances. Anyway, so there's one image uh, that is. Um, kind of surprising he uses he, he said imagine a very long rope maybe in this room a very strong long rope and on this rope at one end is tied an elephant a little few feet later is tied a snake to the same rope and then a dog and then an eagle and then further along a monkey and then uh, hyena, 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 uh, six. Is it probably not exactly the same animals he used, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel I, I feel free to you know, use those that show up in my mind. 
so they're tied to the same uh, to the same uh, uh, rope. So what happens in here? You know, the elephant wants to go uh, uh, where elephants go. You know, in the savannah, <laughs> in the in dans la brousse, in the in the forest. The snakes wants to go in the grass, and the eagle wants to go I don't know in the sky, and the monkey in the tree, and the dog in the city, and the hyena to the channel ground, and uh, and they are all pushing in all kinds of directions. And the Buddha used this image to talk about us sitting on a cushion, or a chair practicing meditation you know everything grabs our attention you know suddenly we want to think about next week then we want to t think about last week then we want to think about what we'll say to people when we go back home then we'll doubt that we're ever going to make progress in this practice you know and, and we're pushed and shoved right and left and it's exhausting and so it's not the practice that is exhausting it's the untrained mind and it's scatteredness and it's the way it clings to any desire that shows up Okay, I want to be this person now. I like this person. I want to be like them, you know, and uh, or resist what's happening, and that's exhausting. So here, we're training the mind. It means we're highlighting the fact that it's untrained. You know, it's being highlighted for us. In life, we don't we don't notice because we keep just following the scatteredness. You know, There's somebody at the time of the Buddha who I think expresses. Uh, really uh, seems like a, we could hear it today and uh, when we uh, hear the instructions and the teaching so it seems like this person has been listening to the Buddha for a few days you know and at some point uh, um, they say um, they say okay so what you're suggesting you know this kind of thing of calm and attending you know like all this this for us And he's talking about us, untrained minds, you know, us. This for us is, a, the translation in English is, this for us, what you're suggesting is a sheer drop. It's like, uh, in French I hear like, c'est un méchant débarque. <laughs> It's like, and he says, we love, we delight in our thoughts, we delight in projection, we delight in all of this, and you're suggesting renunciation. This is a major drop, you know, like that's an abyss, like it's not that appealing, you know. And the Buddha talks about this, the joy of renunciation, the joy of simplicity. And he says, untrained mind, they don't know. They like to be hooked by their thoughts and follow everything and their f emotions and feed and follow their emotions, you know. And uh, I also didn't know the joy of renunciation, but now... Having practice, my heart leaps with joy at the thought of renunciation. This is one of the first teachings I've heard. This thing about my heart leaps with joy at the thought of renunciation. And it, I think that's one of the things that got me into the practice because I kind of intuited it but didn't understand it. It was intriguing to me. How can the heart leap at the thought of uh, renouncing, following all the thoughts, and uh, you know, getting hooked in the drama of things. It's intriguing. And, uh, and you know, 
in the teachings, there's a lot of teachings about what, what are sources of joy. You know, of course, uh, what is beautiful, tastes good, ideas that are stimulating are very, very uh, enjoyable. But in the practice, we start to talk about the kind of joy that doesn't depend on what's hap- happening outside, doesn't come from an outside source. It comes from inside. You know? So, so it springs from inside. Love, metta, is like this. Calm is like this. Equanimity is like this. Balance of mind be- can become a real source of joy. Maybe more reliable because it comes from inside and can be trained. Uh, if my joy becomes on you, seeing me in a certain way, I'm in trouble because you might not, you know. But if my source of joy comes from wishing you well, then there's a little bit more freedom maybe possible, you know. If my joy comes from having things go my way, I'm in a bind. If my joy comes from my quality of meetings, meeting with stuff, with events, then there might be a little bit more a play here. Yeah. So that's what we're working on here. So how to go about it? Not forcing, not abandoning. And in this kind of third day of practice here today, the instructions around effort um, or wise way to practice, because if effort is charged with you, if when you hear effort, right away you tense, you know, and I should be more effort. So let's give up the word effort. Maybe let's bring non-effort. But the wise way to practice would be what we call in uh, uh, continuity. So it's a very, very... Um, it's not exerting a lot of energy, but it's not giving up. So not forcing, not abandoning. So it means we could see maybe the whole morning as a block of practice, saying, okay, I'm going to dedicate myself very gently <coughs> up until the bell, the lunch bell rings. Just a couple of hours, three, maybe three, I don't know, three hours. Or so. I'm just going to go really, really uh, slowly, no adding any layer of judgments. No, no, don't do this here. You know, if I find myself lost, I just recognize, oh, lost, got lost. Very humbly, just starting over, starting over. One way to think about it, it's been very helpful in my practice, is to think, how could I, how could doing this, whatever this is, it could be the morning meal, it could be uh, the sitting now, it could be the, the time of the walking, it could be going to the meeting. Some of us will have meetings this morning. How could this next activity bring ease and calm? Or whatever you want to put in there. How could this next activity bring joy or balance? So it means I have to be attentive how I'm practicing or how I'm going around the lake or how I'm... How could this bring ease? Because this is why we're doing this. We're doing metta, not so we're doing really well, you know, 
It's not like this. We're doing this for our well-being. So it's good to bring it really early on, you know, not as an end result. If I do it well, I'll end up feeling ease. <laughs> you know, it's more like, oh, how can this be an expression of ease here, in the conditions I'm in? You know, and the conditions might be easeful for me, and they might not be. You know, I I don't know if I didn't sleep well, if uh, you know. All kinds of things happen in our lives for sure. So, with these conditions, how can uh, how can this practice be soothing? If I need soothing this morning, and it's not like we don't have access to what is nourishing from the outside. Huh? It's um, when you read the texts of the um, monastics. Practicing at the time of the Buddha, there's a series of uh, texts, the Terigata, the Teragata. And in uh, some of them you read really beautiful poems of people practicing. So you get an insight, like a little view on their practice. They're in the woods, somewhere, you know, in the forest. And they describe their practice. And often they talk about nature as really beautiful. And the expressions are, I love these rocks. They're in a cave, or by a cave, you can imagine. I so love these rocks. You know, I love the rain. Sitting here, the rain falling. You know, and very, very often nature is brought back. You know, the animals that are around, the rock, the flora, the fauna, the, you know, the, the weather. And so here today, there is uh, you know, something that you might perceive as beauty, you know, snow and sun and blue sky, and this can really uh, be part of the practice. And the last thing I'll say is, I'd like also, I'd very much like you to do. Um, you know what, what, what you see fit in your exploration. So it's this middle path again. So it, we're a community practicing together, and then uh, there's also the individual needs or individual intuition or interest. And so we're trying to walk this middle path of knowing that we're supporting each other, and yet feeling as if uh, you know. Some of us, we want to try this exactly as it's instructed. For some of us, it feels restrictive. Seems like my system needs something. Try it. In the end, we'll see what works, what doesn't <coughs> work. Careful not to get too formal. You know, we can take the formal uh, sitting uh, posture, but not get rigid in any way. Like, uh, okay, it starts now. You know, 
this 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 we can let go of. It's much more soft than this, I think. <coughs> There's a clarity of uh, of mind about what we are doing. You know, or to the best of your understanding at this point. Mindfulness is definitely one of the elements of this practice here. So, what is mindfulness? It's maybe a mix of uh, equanimity and curiosity. So, we're not making trouble with what is there, seeing if we can allow what is there to be uh, experienced as it is, even uh, with a slight curiosity. How oh, how interesting it feels like this. Oh, there's a quietness here. What is it to be quiet? Or there's a feeling, I don't know, off. Interesting, feeling off. Feels like this. Or dejected. Or expensive. Spacious. So not imposing anything on reality if it can be honored as it is. All the conditions led to these sensations, this state of heart. this be allowed just as it is these sounds this environment and this inner environment if we present it like this Renouncing any kind of violence of uh, demanding something else. And expecting or waiting for something else. Abandoning this. Seeing if we can give value to what is here. This ache, this ease, this whatever is there. Could be nothing, numbness neutrality sitting here in the middle of a struggle or non-struggle oh it's like this right now trying to resolve anything or explain 
anything right now. <coughs> Just learning how to feel with balance, with interest. <coughs> helpful in some ways, we could put a few words together. Well wishing, just if we want, and offer these few words very simply, taking refuge in these few words. Offering them to someone, self, other. As if we were offering a flower. Maybe there's no need for words. Maybe this care can live well in silence, in listening.
have a few uh, moments uh, for questions, maybe about the practice. Or, yes, please. So in walking, um, so the anchor, one of the obvious anchor or the first that come to my mind is um, in this meta retreat could be, um, you know, the this um, sometimes it's talked uh, like uh, if you're juggling. So you in meta in the f- kind of a classic way of practicing. So you're juggling with three balls. You have this the the image of the person yourself as somebody. That's one ball. Another ball is the sentences. And another ball is the um, is the intention of the sentences. So it's not empty phrases, you know. Uh, they have a meaning. And so the anchor or the object of concentration is like this juggling. So as you're walking in this classic way, you would bring somebody to mind, uh, maybe three sentences or words, you know, and keep the person in mind with the intention in the phrase. So I'd be walking and just say... Think of one of my friends, maybe, and, and think happy, as in, may you be happy, happy, healthy, safe. Happy, healthy, safe. And in some practices, you might match the stepping with the words. Mm-hmm. You know? Happy, <coughs> healthy, safe. Or any other way, if you want to match it with the physical. And then... You would just walk back and forth on your little path, you know, 10, 15, 20 paces, and just walk back and forth. And and in that, what I'm describing here, it's a very strong anchor, and it's really good to gather the mind that tends to be scattered and maybe love being scattered and stimulated. <coughs> so it's an op- opposite kind of direction. It's a simplifying, uh, gathering. So that could be the way. Another way, if you're not using the sentences, uh, could be to just stay in the stepping. So the felt sense of the feet lifting, moving, and landing, or the sound maybe will uh, stand out at some point of the, you know, the stepping. So say, uh, you know, so an anchoring is also reducing the field of awareness. So it's uh, instead of being all over the place, say, hey. I'm going to just stay with the feet or just stay with the wishes to this person. So you uh, yeah, reduce the field. Uh, one other way, you might have heard me say this, it could be, I think it could apply, it could be practiced here in this setting, is I'll do one, uh, one way, one crossing, and I just become aware of hearing. I let that universe be uh, met with care, you know, so metta, care, uh, giving attention to, allowing, what is that to, so one crossing, just hearing, one crossing, just being aware of seeing, oh, light, colors, shapes, beauty, depth, I I mean, I'm putting words, it doesn't have to, to have words, just an experience of really seeing, and then another crossing, I might just feel the body, warm, the body cold, the body moving, and then the last fourth crossing, 
I would just feel the step and then go back to just hearing silence whatever else wind and trees and then go back to just seeing light colors feeling the body and so it's both a practice it would be both a practice of uh, mindfulness being present but I see it as a practice of uh, you know creating beautiful mind state of uh, care, you know, caring for sounds, caring for sights. So not dismissing. You know? We tend to do this, like I'm, I was just noticing here, just at the end of the sit, I'm, I'm ringing the bell myself, but <laughs> the ringing of the bell. Usually with lack of attention or superficial attention, the only thing I would catch, I think, would be the meaning. Oh, it's finished. But now because there's a little bit more listening, a little bit more quietness, Suddenly, I have access to the sound itself. Do you see the difference? It's not just, oh, it's finished, now we're going to do something else, you know, in agitation. It's, oh, a sound appears. It's, it appears to me at that moment as lovely. You know, there was something really quiet and almost ancient or timeless about this bell ringing. So the mind was open instead of just clinging to the meaning, you know. It means now we're going to do something else, you know. And so often we do that, you know. We become Pavlov's dog, you know. The bell rings, eyes open. If you're used to doing this, you do this. It's done, <laughs> you know. And here we slow down actually to notice, and we slow down to notice in the dining hall in the same way. Not just our ideas about things, but the actual taste. And people will describe this often in retreat. They say, "Wow." And it's almost as if I had never tasted melon before, because I was there. It was not just the idea. Oh, melon! I like melon. I don't like melon. <laughs> you know, it's uh, there's a suddenly it becomes unique, it's very specific. When something appears, and people will say that, oh, my God, the rice. You know, way, way, way back then, I would cook on retreats, and I remember somebody saying. Wow, Pascal, your porridge. What do you put in your porridge? <laughs> Boiling water. <laughs> it's quite simple. <laughs> but what was the special ingredient? The presence was the special ingredient. You know? And so here, we have the chance to actually slow down, and maybe we'll be able to do this in our busy life. You know? Suddenly notice that we're standing or walking somewhere or in the middle of an exchange with somebody instead of having just our ideas. I have this to say and this to do. Like, there's a human being here. Suddenly, you know, things that were unseen become seen. One way to describe <coughs> the, this practice of bringing care and attention that I find very... Uh, to description of a uh, definition of mindfulness is uh, discovering the familiar. So there's a lot of freedom to be gained in this. Because otherwise we're addicted to stimulation. So some of you were saying, oh, the first day it was interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it in my word. You know, I came here, I was listening to you, I really was enjoying, you know. And then, you know, the second day was kind of you know, boring. Because <laughs> it's the same. I'm not only hooked on pleasant, you know, but I'm also hooked on stimulation. And so I'm unable to actually meet what is there. So here we're refining our attention so we can actually be touched by not just the new. 
the new email, the new news, the new... But we can be touched by what was there all, all along, but unnoticed. There's a lot of uh, you know, freedom and beauty to be gained in this. And so anyway, I don't know how I ended up here, but thank you. Okay, so for some of us... Oh, yes, sorry. Um, yeah, we can take a second. Yeah. So, in practice, uh, I mean, if it's the words of metta, then, you know, it's intentional, they're welcome. If it's, uh, you know, you're sitting here and uh, there's a flow of comments going on, there's a way in practice where it can be allowed in the same way that we can allow the flushing of the toilet. You know, it's like, oh, it shouldn't flush, you know. Flushing is happening, you know. Can it be allowed, you know. Flushing is happening. Oh, there's a lot of things being said here. Why does a comment appear in? And disappearing. It doesn't have to be a problem. It's the rapport that we're trying to change. Instead of clinging, being uh, identified and following every thought, you know, to actually say, oh, there's a comment here. Oh, there's a little fear that popped up, you know. Or there's a, so noticing, allowing it to be there. So it's an event, it's a phenomena that can appear and it can be known. So it's the way we're knowing it that is different. You see? Instead of being absorbed by it, instead of the wakefulness being completely gone, you know, the attention totally being uh, sticking to the thoughts, you know, you know, when we say like suddenly, oh, I realized I was here, you know, I was gone for ten minutes, I didn't even have, I had so much confusion, didn't have the mindfulness to know that I was where I was, I didn't know. I was just in that conversation with this person explaining to them, you know. So there was there was confusion here. I was I didn't know where I was. That's a kind of very basic confusion. Do you see what I mean? We're trying here to know we're here and that a thought is passing by. This this is a kind of basic clarity to know that a thought is a thought. And very often for us we don't know. Do you recognize what I'm saying? Suddenly we wake up, oh my god, I was thinking. You know, ah, there was no freedom. I was hooked. I was encaged in a train of thought. You know, and here we're trying to be aware that something arose and is passing, a comment, a description, something. So. Yeah, so, you know, so we don't want to push things away, like this shouldn't happen. It's actually very useful in practice, it can be. So, the way that it, it'll happen is, uh, I'll be sitting here, and there's a, there's a sound. And, you know, the mind will say, oh, bird. Not that it happened here at minus 20, but, <laughs> but you know, the mind will say bird. And we could fight, like, I don't want the mind to say bird, you know. It's just natural. It's a, f you know, it's a flow of recognition. It happens in the mind. So not making a problem of it, bird, you know, and then allowing the experience to be uh, felt, you know, the hearing, 
Or, you know, there's something felt and it says, me, you know, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for organizing reality for me. So I know it's not nose, you know. <laughs> and so it doesn't have to be a problem. But what we tend to do for us human beings is uh, there's a moment of connection with reality. So there's a moment of hearing a sensation. Then there's a conceptualization. It says knee. It says bell is ringing. And we leave reality. And then we just uh, produce more thoughts about it. So I hear a bird. Say, oh, bird. What kind of bird? Oh, there's still birds in the winter? And, you know, <laughs> and then I've left reality. I could wake up 20 minutes down the line. You know? <laughs> so I had the connection with reality lasted half a second. So here we're giving value to reality. So in a way we're saying thanks for all you know, what you can you know, embellish and f- give, you know, produce around this. And let's go back to just toilet flushing. You know, but the mind, toilet flushing? Why? During the meditation. Uh, it shouldn't happen, you know? Like, <laughs> and I've left reality, you know? And here we say, you know, up, oh, toilet f- flushing. And just staying with it. That's renunciation. I renounce all the trains of thoughts, of opinions and preferences, and <coughs> I wonder who it is. I should open my eyes and check. If it's the person I think it is, it's probably the person I think it is. You know? <laughs> You know, and uh, and so we learn to abandon, not give so much value to, or laugh about, or be tender towards. You know, okay, all right. So aware of time, uh, or half aware of time. So walking for some of us and meeting in this room for some of us. If uh, if you're going for walking, if you can hold back just a, f- a, s- a couple of seconds, so. If somebody who's meeting now has absolutely to go to the toilet, it would be great if they could go first, because then we could start the meeting, finish on time. You could the dance of bodies. Thank you so much. So please, if you uh, are meeting, come uh, forward. Bring a cushion or what you need. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.